Welcome to episode 1085 of The Sleeper in the Bust. I'm Justin Mason, joined as always on Sundays by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Ah, I'm doing, man. It's the weekend. We've got some awesome weather here in the Carolinas uh, and have um, been enjoying it. How about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, the weather is finally starting to get hot out here. It has not been hot really all summer, so uh, we'll see. We'll see if this is the beginning of uh, a, you know, kind of a late summer in Northern California. Uh, but yeah, other than that, doing well. I'm going to take the kids out to the county fair uh, after we record today and uh, kind of putz around there for a little while. Went to my first game since the pandemic started uh, uh, last night with my wife, and she hadn't been since before she was pregnant with our youngest, so since 2017. So uh, it was a blast. Got to uh, meet uh, a listener uh, out there uh, after the game and uh, watch the Giants win one. So nice. yeah, it was a pretty good night. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hoping to get to another uh, minor league game this week myself um, before season wraps up. There's only like 10 more home games in the minor league schedule. So, uh, yeah, hoping to squeeze another one in here. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to get another game in before uh, the end of the season. I think now that my wife's gone uh, again, I, she's a little bit more excited to get back out to the stadium. So we're going to try to do that again. We're going to talk a bunch of fab. Uh, we have uh, some interesting pickups for the week. Uh, but first, let's uh, talk some news and notes. And I think we have to start with Fernando Tatis Jr. being suspended 80 games for performance-enhancing drugs. Um, This is really, really disappointing uh, and, you know, explains, I think, a lot of why potentially the uh, Padres were willing to trade so much to get both Bell and um, and Juan Soto. Uh, Tatis will miss the rest season. He will miss the postseason this year. uh, And he's going to miss about 50 games in next season. Yep. Um, obviously, you're dropping him in any sort of redraft league. That's, you know, kind of an easy call considering he's not going to play the rest of the year. But what do you, where do you kind of rank him? Where, where are we going to value him for next season? If he's going to miss a third of the season from just the suspension, he's also coming off of an injury. We're never going to get to actually see him play this year to see how he's recovering from that. Uh, what are your thoughts on Tatis uh, missing so much of next season? And where would you be willing to draft him? Yeah, he's going to miss 30% of the season next year. And that's assuming he plays every single game once he comes off suspension. Uh, but that's a rather massive time away from the game and the timing and everything about that. Uh it's one of those things where I'll let somebody else take that chance. Uh, you know, yeah, that was, that was my same thing coming into this season. Uh, I was, I didn't want any part of him this year. I didn't get any part of him. Uh, but I know people were taking the chance that I almost would treat it as a similar situation. Assume he's going to miss 30% of the season and then factor in something else going wrong. Uh, yeah. and so there's, you know, there's a third of the season and as lead of a talent as he is, Give me an average guy that's going to play 150 games versus a, a versus an elite talent that may struggle to play 110. You know, I'll give I'll take the extra 40 games times four plate appearances, another 160 plate appearances of volume versus what could happen in 100 110 games. Yeah, and I mean, here's the thing with a guy like Tatis right now um, is because he's suspended you're not going to be able to put him on the IL in most formats, right? So even if you have an AL, you're going to have to waste a roster spot. So for those of you who don't play NFBC and, you know, when you listen to us talk about, oh, you know, uh, there's no IL in those leagues, like this is that version, right? If you draft Fernando Tatis, you are not going to be able to put him on your IL in most leagues or reserve, you know, you're going to have to sit him on your bench or reserve him. Yeah, I mean – I think if he goes outside of the top 100 plus picks, um, he'll become interesting. But I I, I tend to agree with you. I'm not going to end up with a guy like this on my roster just because he soaks up a roster spot. And aside from the suspension, he's been injured multiple times here in, you know, over the course of the last few years. And the shoulder has never had surgery on it. 
Um, so you know for a fact he's going to miss 50-plus games. But, I mean, he could miss of the remaining 100 he'd play. He could miss, you know, another 20, 30 with an IL stint, considering, you know, the the, uh, the injury issues. So, Well, let's be real. Who's the last – I mean, when you think back through all the players that have been suspended – for some form of steroids over there. I'm staring at a list right now. Uh, you know, Melky Cabrera. Yes, Monty Grandal had a 50-game suspension in 2012 when he was with the Padres organization. Uh, Ryan Braun, Nelson Cruz. Yeah, these were, you know, this was almost 10 years ago. I'm looking through some of the other names. You know, obviously, A-Rod in 2000 missed an entire season. Um, but we're talking about somebody younger uh, than him. I'm trying to go back. And I'm looking for younger guys uh, down the list. Uh, you know, Mondesi uh, in 2016 got a 50-game pop. Starling Marte had an 80-game pop back in 2017. So that may be a, a decent. If we go back and, and say, okay, hey, what you know, let's look at Starling Marte and when he had to miss 80 games back in 2017. And when he came back, you know, you look at his season, his uh, season, he still came back and stole 21 bases right off that. And the next year, hit 20 home runs, stole 33 bases, and still hit 277 coming off. But that was a 28 going into a 29-year-old season. I mean, it's kind of uncharted territory by looking at somebody this young um, with that. But you know, just another one I've, I've seen on this list is Jorge Polanco. Uh, Polanco got popped the, the same year. He got hit in 2018 uh, for an 80-game suspension. And then the next year was super happy fun ball year, but he hit 22 home runs and basically had his career year um, yeah, until 2021. 20, uh, so the, the time off didn't impact him, and he was suspended at age 24 and came back at age 25. So, again, I'm, I'm not expecting a production drop-off. It's just it's going to be – you can't, you know, this the volume again. Give me a, give me Jorge Polanco next year at age twenty nine over uh, a younger guy who was clearly better across the board. But you know, give me the guy who's going to play a lot versus the guy who may not, or who yeah. no can. He's going to miss at least forty eight games. Yeah, I, I think you know, I, I'd rather have the guy that, like you said, is going to is going to be in the lineup every day. Um, that doesn't have to soak up a roster spot for me, especially for those people who play in like ESPN standard leagues, which I think has like three bench spots. Like you can't hold on to a guy like Tatis for that long. You're going to have more injuries. You're going to have, you know, you're going to lose, you're going to losing production because you have to hold him on your roster. Think about the hole you'll be in by the time he gets back. I mean, 48 yeah. games is almost two months. <laughs> they come up the hole that you're going to be in at that point. Uh, and, and and can you dig out of it? Somebody's going to take them in a single-digit round. You know it's going to happen. Oh, Stop absolutely. Take yeah. them in a single-digit round. Just won't that, be these two guys you're listening to. And, and that's why I said, like, I'd be interested in after pick 100 or so, um, you know, or he'd become at least interesting to me. There's no he, no way he makes it there. We, we knew he was going to miss time coming into this season, um, and people still were taking him in the seventh, eighth round. Like it's just not gonna. I don't. I don't think it's gonna be ever. You know, even different from that. I think seventh, eighth round is probably where it's gonna go. And it's right. just too early for me. Uh, Luis Robert sprains his wrist, uh, has to leave the game early on Friday uh, because of it. How worried are you on Luis Robert? Uh, never a great thing uh, with with a wrist injury, uh, and just it's just that White Sox team overall. Every time they take a step forward, they take a step backwards. It's why they're yeah. sitting. I believe they're exactly five hundred. Uh, I know they were a game above five hundred as play started yesterday. I forgot they're, the, they're two games. Yeah, two games okay, above. won yesterday, uh, but it's you know when you look at disaster. I mean, if you were watching the game yesterday, our friend Craig was. Uh, DMing me going, oh my God, Eloy Jimenez. And so I go look at the highlight. I'm like, oh, that explains why I got all these uh, these earned runs, earned air quotes for those of you guys listening uh, from Lucas Giolito. Because there was a fly ball hit that any one of us should have caught. Uh, and Eloy Jimenez played that into a basis clearing double. Uh, terrible route. I mean, we know he's a terrible fielder, but at least put an effort into it. It looked awful. I mean, just it, it looked as awful as I'm trying to describe it. 
Uh, so it's like, again, that team, as I was, I was, uh, I did a spot on Toronto radio yesterday and they were asking me about the AL Central. I'm like, this should have been the White Sox division run away with. Uh, and then they're just treading water because they can't get out of their own way, whether it's injury, whether it's questionable play um, and different things are questionable, very questionable management. So, yeah, I, but getting back to Luis Robert, it's anytime it's a wrist injury, it's concerned because it saps power. Yeah. And I mean, they've already lost, this team has already lost Tim Anderson for no. the year or, or for the re- majority of the remaining year. He may make it back for the end of the season. Um, I think that they're going to play it pretty safe. They, they played it very safe at the trade deadline. They didn't make any major moves. Um, I would not be surprised to see them play it safe again here uh, and kind of, you know, really slow him down, if not shut him down, uh, if there's an issue. Uh, this right. is clearly like clearly not a team that is thinking it's going to win, even though they're only two and a half games out of the division, um, you know, in, in the midst of a playoff race. Like, I think that they, they, they could end up just shutting Robert down and getting him ready for next year, depending on the severity of the issue. So, um Let's uh, let's talk some fab. Uh, let's talk uh, about your boy, Carlos Montero, uh, who is playing every day in Colorado. How aggressive would you be on him? Uh, he's playing a lot and he's playing well. Remind me how he became my boy. I drafted I him in the Arizona Fall League. I, dra- I took him in one league. You're the uh, only person I've ever heard like really <laughs> talk about him. So uh, I'm. <laughs> no, you get credit for this one. I, I, yeah, I don't remember anybody talking about him before the season. So I took him in. I took him in the. Uh, I took him in the Arizona Fall League uh, draft champion, uh, and it was like I was targeting both uh, Colton Welter. There's like I was looking at the Rockies, thinking they're going to be a terrible team. Who can they promote during the year? And Montero and, and Welter, both of the names that came up. So I got one in one league and one in the other league. Uh, and so it's like, I have him and he's been in my lineup because it's draft champions. You know, everybody's dealing with their injuries, you know? So I throw him in the lineup, uh, and he's been hitting well, uh, you know, obviously when they're at home, load them up. And, you know, even on the road, just let him play. I mean, he's hitting so far, uh, with, with some, uh, you know, got a hitting streak going on hitting for average. Uh, but it is a. You know, when you look at, I remember looking back at Montero and Welter, and Welter would be the more disciplined hitter of the two. Uh, and so I was, that's how I had them ranked when I was trying to target off season. Uh, and so me taking Montero in the fall league is because somebody took Welter right, you know, right in front of me uh, very soon. And I was like, okay, I'm going to move over in this direction and trying to find something, uh, let it ride and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, he's making really good contact uh, right now, 86.8% zone contact. Um, he is striking out, you know, 32% of the time and only walking at a 1% clip. So you have to wonder, like, how much that batting average, uh, which has been 278 so far, is sustainable. Uh, and we haven't seen a ton of power from him yet. Um, there is power in the bat. So, I, you know, I would assume maybe we'll get a little bit more power from him rest of the way. Uh, and maybe the batting average comes down uh, a little bit. Uh, but it is Colorado, so you're going to have an inflated BABIP. And, you know, um, his XBA is 264, so not too far off of his 277. So if, if you need a corner guy with decent batting average, um, you know, and some potential power, uh, um, not a bad guy. He's not near the top of my list. He's not available in a lot of my leagues, unfortunately, because – I uh, tend to play in deeper format. So, but um, a guy I definitely have on the list. A guy I love having on the list because I'm out on my own softball game after Daniel Vogelbach and his uh, uh, <laughs> ability to uh, be a big guy out there playing. Uh, Vogelbach has been hot uh, and, uh, and playing a fair amount uh, in New York. Uh, any interest in Daniel Vogelbach? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's. It was a move for them uh, when they when they made the acquisition. And the thing with with him is, you know, when he's out there playing, he's playing in the middle of the lineup. That's the thing. I mean, I know it's, it was a bit of a drop because in Pittsburgh at some points he was hitting leadoff. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember our opening day it was a big joke. It was like, oh, my God, he's hitting leadoff. Are you kidding me? 
But, you know, he's he's not playing every day for the Mets. He's playing most days for the Mets. But when he does play, he's hitting fourth or fifth. I'm looking at our lineup tracker. Um, you know, he's had he, – he sits against the lefties, uh, and that's been the clear track record uh, for them. But they're sitting him against the lefties, uh, and they're using some of the other options. But he's at there and hitting in the middle of the lineup against every righty that they face so far. And he's at no lower than six since the acquisition, but he's hitting fourth or fifth. And, you know, with, with Nimmo and Marte and Lindor and Alonzo in front of him. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's, I mean, he's in a great position. Like you mentioned, like he's only, he's only even hit six once. He's pretty much, and it was the first game he, uh, he played right. for the Mets. So um, he's, he's hit fifth pretty much in every game. Since coming over, hitting 310, 464, 565 with two home runs. Um, he's basically you know, in the, he's in the Darren Ruff platoon. Ruff gets yeah. the gets the lefties and Vogelback gets the righties, and that and that's not going to change because Ruff doesn't hit righties well. Well, and you have to remember in that division, um, the Phillies I don't think have a lefty. Uh, Miami, you know, Miami's got Trevor Rogers, but he's on the IL right now. So you've got two teams. That are predominantly righties in that uh, made up of righties in their rotation, um, and so he's not going to have to worry about sitting a ton. Or he's going to well, get let's the, look at the rest of their, Let's look. Uh, I'm sorry, I clicked the wrong thing. I want to look at the rest of their schedule too, uh, because that comes into play um, if we look at the Mets schedule uh, and look at them up there with 74 wins, just rolling. Um, if we pull up their schedule, schedule and results. Uh, and look through the rest of your schedule. I know they only have three more games against the Braves. Uh, that's coming up after this series here that they're playing the Phillies. They, I'm sorry, they got four more against Atlanta. Uh, and then they have you know a couple against the uh, Yankees, but then they're at home, uh, the four set against the Rockies. They've got a, um, then they're hosting the Dodgers, hosting the Nats. Then they got some games at Pittsburgh, at Miami, at Chicago, at Pittsburgh. The schedule is just really, really nice for them here. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they have three games to get to. And by the end of the season, who knows what's happening there. Because the, the division is all but wrapped up for them. I mean, again, they have seven more games against Atlanta. Atlanta has to win six of those seven for a real shot at winning this division because the rest of this schedule for them, uh, for the Mets, outside of that, that three set against uh, when they're hosting the Dodgers, is pretty much a layup. I mean, this is... The Nats, they have one, two, three, four, five, six games against the Nats. They've got uh, – they're at Oakland for three. They've got Pittsburgh for one, two, three, four, five, six more games. They've got a really easy schedule. So this could be nice, uh, really favorable for uh, Vogelback uh, against the right-handed pitchers on these teams. Yeah, and I'm just looking at their division, the um... – the Nationals only have Patrick Corbin, and that's a lefty. Uh, and the Braves are rolling out all righties right now, too. So, like, it's just they're playing a division that's full of right-handed pitchers. So, if you've got a guy on a short side platoon, um, maybe time to let them go and go pick up a Daniel Vogelbach. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about the next guy. Max um, the only. I mean, obviously, Max Freed is the one. I mean, Kershaw is going to be out uh, if that Dodger series. You got Heaney, uh, Max Freed. You, you figure Freed's going to pitch twice. Uh, well, he he's on the IL. Freed's on the IL with a concussion right now. I know when he was going to be back. So, well, at the end of the if if this is still a race, they have three games at Atlanta um, the final week of the season. Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, let's uh, let's stay in the division. Uh, move over to the Nationals. Talk about Joey Mentis, who is. Uh, kind of playing now that Josh Bell is, you know, been uh, moved to uh, San Diego, uh, and he's playing pretty well. Uh, to be quite honest, I never heard of this guy prior to uh, <laughs> prior to this. Uh, so uh, I remember he him coming up at some point earlier in the year, uh, but then getting sent back down. Any interested uh, interest in Mensis? I mean, he's playing every day. He hitting. I mean, he's one of these, you know, a, a, a nice story, much like. Uh, Witten Bernard with the Rockies, you know, get promoted, make the majors for the first time, uh, you know, after age 30. And here's Manessas doing the same thing. He's 30 uh, and he's been in triple A uh, each, you know, 2018 did not play in 19, did not play in 20 uh, in the States. And but was in triple A with Boston and the Nats uh, the last two seasons. 
and now he's up and he's hitting and he's hitting, you know, he's got four home runs in, in 30 plate appearances and he's playing, he hit 20 in triple a. So it's uh, again, if, if you're hurting for power, beggars can't be choosers. Uh, and he's out there playing every day. Uh, and so here's a, an option for you to go see, see what sticks. I mean, the numbers are, are absurd right now. Uh, it's not like he hasn't, he didn't, he hit 20 home runs in AAA in 2008 or 23 in AAA in 2018. He hit 20 in AAA this year. Uh, and so the power has been there in recent years. And let's see if it carries over. Cause again, we know that the baseball has been a bit different between the majors and the minors, uh, depending on the league. Uh, but he's playing. Yeah. I mean, this is a 30 year old journeyman minor leaguer, right? I mean, this is not like a guy that, um, necessarily is is the next big thing. Well, we saw it with uh, Swindell and, and Wisdom. Yeah, they, 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 they guys they, got time and they hit with power. Yeah, and guys like this can stay hot for a little while and, and, and be valuable in, in the short term. Um, you know, he, I mean, a lot of this is fraudulent. Like, he, he's not going to continue doing it. His XBA right now is like 260-something, um, you know, and it, uh, 265 it is. Uh, his batting average is 370 right now. He's running with really high Babbitt. He's getting, you know, pretty lucky. Uh, he's not a guy with a ton of power necessarily because he hits so much on the ground. But, um, like, he plays in a good park. He's going to play full-time, it looks like, considering what else the Nationals have uh, left uh, on the Major League team. So um, I think you could do worse in deeper formats uh, yeah. than picking up a guy like Memphis. So, yeah. Uh, what about J.D. Davis, who uh, was in the uh, NL East, got traded over my Giants, has played pretty well in San Francisco since coming over, showing off that raw power uh, that he's got in the bat. Um, and, you know, playing kind of an uneven third base. Evan Longori is back. The Giants love to platoon. Is J.D. Davis even worth picking up? It's funny. Go to the Giants and they fix something. It's like he's mm -hmm. he has – one less home run uh, in 26 plate appearances than he had in 207 with New York this year. Uh, it's just, it's weird how the Giants find something. They're like, okay, here, let's try. Uh, mm -hmm. So and I was looking through the uh, lineup and like, it's it's unclear how he's being used because he's sat against righties and lefties. So he's had four days off since the trade and they've been two against lefties and two against righties, even with Longoria you know, Longoria coming back, Longoria hasn't played in the field yet. He's been the DH every time he's come back, whereas Davis has played third base every time he is in the lineup, and he's hitting in the middle of the lineup when he's there, but he's had four days off against righty, 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 and a lefty. So it's kind of tough to figure this one out. Uh, I would say it has to depend on how deep your league is. Uh, if you're willing, if you need to go with Davis, you maybe need to cover injuries. You have no choice, but – uh, it's a little unsettling to see how he's being used. Even with Longoria back, Longoria has only played two of the last five days. And again, both times have been a DH. He hasn't been in the field yet. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is going to be a nightmare for fantasy uh, managers, just the Giants in general. Um, I mean, they, they pretty much are platooning just about everybody, um, except for uh, Tyro Strada, Crawford, and Yastrzemski. Like, everybody else is, is getting platooned. Well, um, Davis, Flores, La Stella, all have played third base in the last four mm -hmm. days. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, 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 I don't know quite what they're doing. I, I like Davis from a raw, you know, per, you know, power perspective, um, and you know, depending on who they bring back next year, uh, you know, he could be someone interesting because I think this is last year of Evan Longoria's contract. If I I'm think worried. yeah, I think he can opt. I think it's a mutual option or something after that. But uh, yeah, yeah that contract's finally up. So yeah, cl a club option for 2023. So they're finally uh, out from under the rest of that contract. So maybe Davis is the full time third baseman coming into next season, uh, which would make him pretty interesting. Uh, but this year, like. Outside of 15-team mixed leagues, um, it's kind of just a dart throw. Uh, I don't know how, how interesting he is. So, uh, Next guy on the list is Vaughn Grisham, who's a very, very interesting guy. He's going to be widely available. I don't think anybody had him rostered coming uh, you know, into this breakout except for maybe in Dynasty League. So uh, he's going to be available just about every league. 
how aggressive are you going to be on Vaughn Grisham? Uh, you know, it's it's a nice it's a nice track record for Atlanta. They call up Michael Harris the second at age you know twenty twenty one. He's been a great player for them this year. And here's Grissom uh, at twenty one. Uh, you know, from Orlando, my, my godson actually played against him uh, in high school uh, multiple times. Uh, and so it's and like he, he was a pitcher and my my best friend was like, yeah, he never got a hit off 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 my son. And I was like, all right, how many times did he face it? Right. But so it's like he was surprised he got called up and he's a huge Braves fan. Uh, and but you look at this year in the minor leagues at 21 high A and double A combined stats, 14 home runs, 27 steals hitting well over 300 with a lot of contact. Um, and, he, you know, so he was doing outstanding in that regard. And you saw, you know, we saw him hit a home run in his first at bat or get a home run for his first major league hit. Uh, and he's already earned yesterday. He hit second in the lineup. He was hitting low, low, low. And then they put him in the second spot uh, yesterday. Uh, you know, he's been rather impatient. He's been striking out a bunch as yet to walk uh, it, so far, but yeah, that's seven plate appearances. But again, he's, it's been kind of all or nothing uh, with it, but you look at the minor league track record uh, and it's been a lot of high contact. And so there's going to be a learning curve um, here for him, but the future is bright. Uh, and it, this would be like, if I, if I was still sitting on cash, uh, you know, you went through the trade deadline, Fabapalooza, like this. If if you were still holding money, this would be a guy worth worth putting the money on uh, and writing it out because he could help you with some pop. He can definitely help you on the base pass because uh, he's shown that skill. He's already shown both. He's got a home run. He's got a steal uh, since his call up, but he was doing both uh, more steals and home runs down in the minors. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how much he's actually playing. Um, you know, I mean. There's definitely some concern when Albies comes back. I mean, I think he's gonna play fairly regularly. I would I would assume um, he batted eighth yesterday, so I, I don't know where you saw that he batted second. I saw uh, that. Where did I? Where was I looking that he had? He's got a two. No, today. Today he's hitting second. I'm sorry. Oh, today, today's hey, in, well, that, today hitting second. There you go. That's that's good news. Yeah, because he started off batting eighth and ninth. Uh, or ninth, first game, eighth, second game. So batting second today, um, you know, it is Sunday lineup. So maybe they're setting some guys. I haven't seen what their uh, what their full lineup Here's is. The other piece, today. though, you know, once even when uh, Albies comes back, why does Marcelo Zuna have to stay in the lineup with a two eleven batting average and a two sixty one OBP? Yeah, he's got twenty homers, but come mm -hmm. on, and they're already hitting them seventh. They already have him way down in the lineup to begin with. Uh, why yep. does he? Why is his job guaranteed? Well, and and uh, Eddie Rosario hasn't been good since coming back from the eye issue either. So, right. I mean, either guy could lose their spot, uh, you know, and maybe they want Albies to play uh, to DH, you know, when he comes back to kind of, you know, protect him a little bit. So uh, I think if he hits, he's going to be fine. He's definitely the top pick of the week, uh, especially if you need, you know, middle infield help uh, right now. Uh, I think he's a great, uh, great option to to go after. Uh, he's definitely on top of my bids in a number of leagues this week. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about Paul DeYoung, my boy. Paul DeYoung is back, uh, and he's been hot since returning. Now, uh, the question is, can he keep this uh, hot streak going, and can he stay in the middle of this, uh, or or not middle, but in uh, active in this? Uh, St. Louis lineup. We've seen hot stretches from him before that have faded away. Any interest in Paul uh, DeYoung? So, I mean, listeners may remember he spent a lot of time this offseason reworking a swing, uh, you know, working with the same folks that worked with J.D. Martinez and a couple other names that I'm drawing a blank on. Uh, and so the expectations, you know, we've, we've seen him do it before. Then he really fell off a cliff last year. And then even earlier this year was just terrible. Uh, but since they made the tra made the deal uh, at the trade deadline and put him in the lineup, you know, he's hitting 300, 396, 725 uh, since he's come back over 48 plate appearances here, walking 13% of the time, striking out 25% of the time, has driven 13 runs with four homers and scored eight times. Obviously, that'll play. And he's hitting, uh, looking at the lineup where he's been playing, he has been in the lineup every single day. He's hitting sixth or seventh. He hasn't cracked any. He hasn't got up any higher, and I don't expect that to change. Uh, that's not going to change because everybody in front of him is certainly under spot. Uh, so you know, maybe he can bump up to five. But the fact that he's been there every single day, lineup spot has been rather consistent. 
uh, it, it was fifth one time. He was he's sixth to uh, sixth yesterday, but mostly seventh. Uh, but he's doing damage from down there in the bottom of the lap because that lineup has got some thickness to it. So yeah, let it ride. Maybe it's it just taken some more time for this this swing uh, to rework. But let's not forget. I mean, he's still young too. Uh, if you're thinking, you know, he just turned 29 beginning of this month. Uh, so if if you're in, in a keeper league, maybe it's, you can get him on the cheap now and roll him in the next year. Yeah, um, he's being a little bit more patient at the plate, which is good to see. Um, and he's being a little bit more selective with his pitches. Uh, but when he is swinging, he's making really good contact right now. So his con his own contact rate prior uh, to getting sent down was about 75%. His own contact right now, 83.3%, which is right around league average. Yeah. Um, so he's making league average zone contact. But he's got power in the bat. Uh, he's playing pretty much every day uh, since being called back up. Yeah, I think he – would you rather have him or Grisham? I'd rather have DM. Okay. I think I'd rather have – I think it's – I think Grisham has a higher upside because it's going base. Correct. Right? Correct. So it, it's kind of what are you shooting for? Are you shooting for upside or are you shooting for guaranteed production? Yeah, I think the young is going Yeah, <laughs> if you're looking for volume. <laughs> if you're looking for volume right now, De Young's the play because he I think he's gonna play rest of the way uh pretty much every day. If you're looking for uh some upside, maybe you're in a shallower, you know, ten or twelve team league, uh you're looking for upside. I think Grisham's the play because the power and the speed. Um, potential in that uh, Atlanta lineup, I think, is uh, uh, a little. The ceiling is uh, higher for Grisham than it is for Young at this point. Uh, Fernando Reyes hit his first home run as a Cub, uh, and that's going to get people start to be excited about him. He was awful in Cleveland. I don't think people realize how bad he was playing to the point where he got designated for assignment, uh, traded over to the Cubs. Can he rebound in Chicago? And should we be picking him up before he goes on a hot stretch? If he can't do it here, he can't do it anywhere. I don't know. It's, it's like, you know, he's got all the raw power in the world, and he's mm -hmm. only 27 years old. It's like it's, there's so many stories in baseball where you, you give up on a guy, and then they come out, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's why we liked him. It feels like he's been in the league forever. It's just kind of crazy that he's 27 years old. Uh, or He's only 27 years old, but it's so tough to write off a guy that has hit 30 home runs in each of the past two full seasons. Uh, and then this year has just dropped. It's like some of these other guys, like J.D. Martinez, last time I checked, still has a single-digit home run total this year. It's like some of these older dudes that have fallen off the cliff this year. Like Cesar Hernandez went from 21 home runs last year who still hasn't hit a home run this year, uh, even though he's playing just about every day. Uh, so, again, it's really tough to write off Reyes. Uh, yeah, I want to give him another chance uh, with the with the ballpark with the division, the fact that he's going to get some Cincinnati, um, he's going to face some games against the Reds, face some games against the Pirates, uh, and it, he's got he's got a good situation. Uh, but it's again, it's just so tough to write a guy off that has shown what he has shown when he's had the chance to do it. But at the same time, he has looked like hot garbage this year, and there's a reason why the uh, the, the Guardians let him go. Because uh, he just wasn't cutting it, and until he gets some more loft in his swing uh, consistently, it's going to be tough for him to uh, to adjust to the way the the new baseball is, and and not not to mention the strikeouts have gotten worse this year. Uh, you know that's a career trend. His strikeout rate has gone up each of the past five seasons. Each of the past five seasons, that's got to get fixed, or he's going to find himself. Um, on on the periphery of a uh, of the league, even at this kind of an age, you know, next year going into a, whatever his contract status is, he's a free agent after this season, so he can pick his pick his option. Um, but he's not going to have many suitors. as a guy that cannot play the field um, and is showing an, uh, an inability to consistently loft the baseball uh, and make contact with it. Yeah, and this year he's been kind of a reverse splits guy. He's been better against right-handed pitching than against left-handed pitching. And so far... Oh, hand skills right there, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and and so far for him, uh, and this is really, really small sample because I think he's only been with the Cubs for five of their games, he's, but he's only played against right-handed pitching so far. Yeah. Um, so they've only had one start against the lefty. So I don't know if that is going to be a trend we continue to see if he's only a strong side platoon guy. Um, I mean, I, he could get hot and hit you know, 10 home runs 
you know, or, you know, more than 10 home runs rest of the way. So, like, I, I don't want to, like, overlook him, but I tend to not want to go after a, a guy like this or be aggressive on a guy like this uh, when he's just struggled so mightily this year. I just – I I think the time is over. He's going to look great hitting, hitting home runs in Japan or Korea next year. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a pretty good prediction. Maybe yeah. Miguel Sano can share a plane ride over there together. Yeah. God, Miguel Sano, man. What a fall from, uh, you know, high prospect pedigree to nothing. Uh, let's uh, let's finish out our hitters with uh, Manuel Margot, who's uh, potentially going to be back soon. What are your thoughts? When do you think he's back, Jason, you know, you being the Rays guy? And how much of a role will he have in what is a pretty beat up Tampa Bay team? Yeah, it's been beat up all right. Uh, he should be back this week. I mean, he's been playing. He's in Durham uh, on rehab assignment. I wouldn't expect that to take too long. So I would expect him back this week. Uh, once he comes back, you know, you could throw him right back out, you know, throw him right back out into the – I was wanting to look at uh, – because you know, they really want to see what they have with Jose Siri. Jose Siri has been playing just about every single day uh, with things. But if you try to look right now, like Brandon Lau's out relegates Roman Quinn all the way back, and because Quinn and Rayleigh have been playing in a platoonish situation, so you put Margot in that, and then you get that rotation of Siri, Margot, uh, and a Rosarena in the outfield. So that's where I would expect things, and I would expect Margot to go right back up uh, near the top of the lineup. Um, if not setting the table uh, for that, because the last couple of days, like a Rosarena's let off one day. Uh, Yu Chang has hit leadoff one day. Jimon Choi is hitting leadoff today. And so they've had all these different guys. Yandy Diaz was hitting leadoff for a while. Uh, but I would expect I would expect uh, Margot to get back up there at the top. Uh, and then against righties, you know, David Peralta would be hitting up there as well with his, uh, with his skills in the lineup. And then, you know, about two weeks from now, Wander Franco would be likely be back. I would expect Franco back by the end of the month. Uh, which is right about the timeline we discussed when he got hurt. Uh, they said he should be able to make it back right about the final week of August, uh, and I still expect that to happen. Margot should be back any day now. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm going to be aggressive on Margot where he's available. I mean, he's got power, he's got, but he's got a lot of speed, um, and he was playing really, really well in the 200 plate appearances uh, they had before getting injured. So um, I, this is another one of the guys that you know. I don't know if. The, Playing time situation is going to be like in Tampa. It may be a little disjointed because that's what they do. But they've also been a team that's pretty beat up. He's a pretty good defender um, with power, speed, uh, and was hitting 300 with a 279 uh, XBA. So, like, it, you know, a lot of it was legitimate. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's my top pickup of the week right up there with Grisham. So, uh, I, I would definitely be aggressive on Margot if you need an outfielder right now. Yeah, he was hitting well. Uh, he's a free agent after the season. I would expect him to hit, uh, play every day. You look at the rest of the schedule. You know they've got uh, wrapping up against Baltimore today, and that's it for the season with Baltimore. Uh, whoever wins today wins the season series. The two teams are split nine and nine. Uh, quite a story for Baltimore after you know the Rays were eighteen and one against them last year. Uh, and so. They're nine and nine, but you know they've got a, a. They're going to New York for three games, and you got the Royals, you got the Angels, so, and you got the Red Sox, and then the Marlins. So if they can avoid Alcantara, they got a really nice schedule for. Let's have some fun with the offense because the offense has has really been inconsistent and struggling to uh, to put up runs. Uh, uh, and so the spot coming up here that'll certainly help. Uh, and then yeah, as the season. And then they got to go to Toronto, Houston, to Cleveland. So they've got some, they got a tougher schedule down the stretch with six games against Houston. But by then, Houston, I mean, Houston could have the division wrapped up before that first series in Tampa Bay. And they'll certainly be done by the end of the season in that final week because the Rays are at the end of the season at Cleveland, at Houston, at Boston. And Houston will be done. Cleveland may be done at that. We'll see where Cleveland is. And Boston's pretty much done already uh and should be done by that point there we go um let's uh move over to some pitchers eduardo rodriguez had his first rehab start since coming off of the restricted restricted list um he should be back with the team here fairly soon are you picking up eduardo rodriguez 
Uh, I have him in one of my drafts. We were talking before air. He is my only healthy, not even healthy. He's like my only option. I have Tyler Beatty and some others stiff. I mean, truly stiff uh, pitcher in the uh, in a draft champion. And I'm dying. I need Eduardo Rodriguez. I need him because if I'm going to make any uh, any ground up, it's it's in pitching. I'm hoping he can come back and do something. I and mean, I could use the strikeouts. Uh, I could potentially use a win if Detroit can do that. Uh, I know that's tough lately, most of the season, but particularly lately, uh, especially when they give up seven in the ninth inning to Tampa Bay the other day uh, with that. So I don't know if I'm going to pick him up, but I do. Like, again, I have him in the draft champions. I'm going to throw him in my lineup as soon as he comes back because I'm just that desperate for an arm uh, with things. But with the kind of layoff that he's had – I, I don't know. I would expect Detroit just to use him, though. Just here, yeah. go. We're paying you. Know, get out there and pitch. Yeah, you know, build up as many innings as they can on him before the end of the season, so that way he's, you know, ready to go for next year. I mean, I think this is easily the big, like, you know, this is the biggest pickup of the week, but probably the biggest pickup for the rest of the year, right? Do we Are we going to have another pitcher come up that's going to have as big of an impact um, as Eduardo Rodriguez will. Uh, and so if he's on your wire in your league, I would be aggressive, um, you know, as aggressive as you need to be to make sure you get him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I think he's easily the number one pickup of the week if you're looking for pitching right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm bummed because I had to drop him in, uh, in my main event. Uh, I dropped him in uh, TTFBI. Yeah, I wish I had hold, held on to him. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, moving on, JP Sears, uh, he's got a pretty decent two step this week. Um, he's coming up uh, for uh, for the A's. Uh, he was part of the uh, Montas trade, Montas and Lutrinia uh, trade. Any uh, any interest in JP Sears this week? For the old folks, I have to make the obvious pun. The young Roebuck had a nice first, uh, a nice outing. Uh, so outside of that obvious pun, uh, yeah, I'll take a chance in a deeper uh, league format. Uh, one of the things that's been intriguing about him is very high strikeout rate in the minors. Has not yet translated up to the major leagues, but again, he's only made uh, he's only been in eight uh, eight games total. But the strikeout rate that he's had in the minors just has not shown up in the major leagues yet. And I, you know, you could chalk potentially chalk that up. I have not seen him pitch yet. Uh, but you can chalk it up to somebody maybe falling behind in the count. It's got to get a little predictable. I mean, we've talked a couple times this year about like Tristan McKenzie last year where he got in trouble with the home run balls because he pitched too much on his fastball when he was down in the count. And this year, he's been able to get ahead in the count uh, and, and not have to work from behind so frequently. Uh, and he's had more success uh, because of things this year in pitching in that uh, with that approach. So, uh, but I was... Uh, Guy in my lead was like, hey, Sears had a really good outing, watched a little bit of it yesterday. And so take a chance. Who are the two uh, games against? I didn't check Oakland's schedule today uh, for this week. Um, I can double check here. Uh, I believe it's Seattle uh, is one of them. Um, Would make sense. Occasionally. I, think, I believe Seattle and Texas are the two. But I'm I'm double checking if my decent, not great, but decent. Um, yeah, they're they're at yeah. they're at Texas and then home versus Seattle. So yeah, that's not bad. I would take yeah. it. It's a decent two step, especially both stadiums. Obviously, uh, Globe Life and then uh, you know the Coliseum are great places to pitch. He, he doesn't have overpowering stuff necessarily, um, but he has been impressive on the mound. This is a good two step. I don't know that it's one I'm necessarily a guy I'm necessarily sticking with rest of the way. Um, he would line up against the Yankees the following week. Um, so I, I mean, obviously you don't want to start him for that. Uh, but, um, you know, maybe he's just a, a two step and you kind of uh, throw him back to the wire after this one. So, uh, so not, not a bad one, but not a great uh, Dustin May is working his way back. It uh, looks like he could be set to join the rotation here in the next week or two. Are uh, any interest in Dustin May coming off of Tommy John? Uh, no, not really. I would expect him to be eased back in the things. Uh, you know, obviously the Dodgers have no rush to uh, to try to do much with him, but I would expect him to work in shorter stints and they build up uh, something. So perhaps, yeah, I I'm just trying to think. 
you know, maybe it maybe as we get to September, I'm not looking for immediate returns on him. And but right, if he comes out and it's like on 60 to 70 to 75 pitch type type of thing. That's the pre-injury with all that. Uh, strikeouts were never something that was very consistent with him. The stuff he was more of a I guess the, the talk it up, it was more something like he was always fun to watch uh, on pitching mm -hmm. more than he was for the, the actual strikeouts uh, with things. So, honestly, no, uh, I'm not expecting too much. He does have a good start. He's expected to be activated on Saturday uh, for a start home versus the Marlins. Um, That'll certainly help. So, I think he becomes a little bit more interesting there. Uh, because of that. Um, that being said, like guys coming off of Tommy John typically struggle with command and control. Uh, and so I would be very, very careful about when and where I started him rest the way. Plus, who, like you said, who knows how much of a workload they're going to give him. He did go five in his last rehab start uh, in AAA, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if they limit him or even make him like a piggyback type guy, um, you know. Uh, yeah, piggyback will be a decent situation. I mean, they need to, you know, with losing Kershaw, there's clearly the spot in the rotation for him to come up and do something, but they've got room in the bullpen um, to yep. do something as well. And so, uh, you know, you can you can tag along. Maybe it's like, hey, you go out there and start that game, and then we'll have somebody else come in and finish and uh, do something else. Yeah, I mean, they, they could easily, like, pair him with Andrew Heaney, a lefty who struggled with injury this year, and kind of make them kind of tandem guys rest of the way. Right. Um, so we'll see what the Dodgers end up doing. Um, they may treat him like a just a regular starter, but um, I'm – Back him off with David Price. You know, they've got different guys they could use in a yeah. situation with them. I'd be very, I would not be overly aggressive on Dustin May in spite of his prospect better. It's great to see him back on the mound. Um, but I don't know that like you mentioned, he give, he he pitches to a ton of contact. So like um his strikeout numbers aren't necessarily gonna be huge. I don't know what his usage is gonna be like. I think you're I think he's probably gonna be over overpriced uh this week, um, which will probably mean I'm not gonna end up with a lot of shares of him. Uh, Aroldis Chapman is becoming a little bit more interesting again. He's pitched uh, pretty decently in, you know, kind of the seventh inning uh, of a lot of games. And Clay Holmes has not been very good in his last few outings. And you have to wonder if the Yankees are going to make a change here. Is it time to pick up Aroldis Chapman again? You know, I did uh, in a in a keeper league, 18-team uh, keeper league, I picked up Chapman last week. Um only because you know you could. I remember watching one of the outings with Holmes. I was like, yeah, uh, you know, you could see a little bit of wavering. But at the same point, it's like when a guy's pitching at such an elite level like that, that hasn't done it. Like you at least have to fade it with it and say, okay, let's see what can happen with it. So yeah, I would take the the, the chance with Chapman uh, and see what plays out with it. Uh, because again, you know, Holmes was pitching at such an elite level. He was pitching at you know Mariano Rivera like statistical production, uh, and the movement was just absurd. And anything you know wavered because it wasn't that long ago that Holmes could not find the strike zone on a consistent basis. Uh, and so when a guy takes that kind of step forward, there's there's some room for backsliding. And you know with with Chapman's resume, it doesn't take long. But like, okay, hey Holmes, you know you're you're better at the ground ball situation anyhow. Let's bring you here and let's have Chapman come in. You know, at worst, you can, you're still getting some strikeouts there. So, yeah, I took a, I took a flyer on Chapman next week with an eye towards the future, not as much as an immediate need. But just, you know, when you see a guy like that on the free agent wire, it's like, why did somebody drop him? I'll take a claim. Yeah, not available in any of my leagues, unfortunately. But uh, if he's available in your league, I think you have to run to the wire. I mean, he's, uh, you know, obviously been an elite closer before. Holmes has now blown last three save opportunities. And even after the game, Aaron Boone last night said that they uh, may look at getting him in a different position in the bullpen. So um, I, I think that the writing's on the wall that Chapman's going to get this job back here uh, and, you know, be a viable uh, potential return to back, back to a top tier closer, but at least a viable closer rest of the way. Um, you know, what you got from Holmes has been fantastic. 
enjoy every yes. minute of it, but relievers <laughs> come and relievers go. Uh, and, you know, it's unfortunate that's happening so quickly, but time to uh, time to jump on or back on to the role of Stratton train, I think. Um, all right. Uh, next guy we're talking about is Alexis Diaz. Uh, it sounds like uh, it may be time or the, the Reds are going to start moving away um, from Hunter Strickland, who's just been awful in the role. Let's just be honest. Like, I don't know why he, he got anointed as the closer. Um, and they're going to go back to some sort of committee with Alexis Diaz being kind of the top man in that. Are you interested in picking up Alexis Diaz? I mean, Hunter Strickland had the job because, you know, as we've all said before, he has experience, you know, yeah. and that's why a guy will get an opportunity because they've been there before. Uh, but when you look at one of the things I've always liked to do is, okay, let's, you know, hide the names, look at the, look at the skills, look at the numbers. Who would you rather have in this job? There's no doubt of the guys that are healthy right now Diaz is the guy that should have this job. Just, just mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's it, you look at everything across the board, and it's just like the strikeout rate. He's striking out a third of the guys that he's facing. Uh, you know, hide the ERA aside. He's got you know, right there the velocity-wise, the second highest average fastball velocity. Like you just look at things like this, you know, like this guy should have this job. It should be his job. Strickland has it. And the fact that I see, I thought when they gave the job to Strickland, it was gonna be one of these things where it's like, okay. We'll see what he can do, and we'll trade him at the deadline. Well, they didn't. Yeah, play. nobody wanted him, and so it's like, okay, next. Uh, you know, why are they? I guess they just need the arm, but why not call up some other buddies? Call up somebody from the farm and tell Strickland, you know, thanks for nothing. You know, if you're 34. You're a free agent after this year. There's just not going to be much here. Why? What? What are we doing here? Yeah, um, I, I don't know why they didn't move him for anything. Um, I mean. Uh, maybe they just didn't get any offers, but uh, Diaz has been really, really good this year. Uh, you know, lots of strikeouts. Um, you know, his ERA is pretty good, uh, or very, very good with a pretty good underlying metric. Uh, you know, the question becomes will the high walk rate, you know, come back to bite him in the ass? The thing is, so far, he hasn't given up really many home runs, only given up four home runs. On the season three at Great America Ballpark, uh, and one on the road. Uh, but the scary part is he's got a fifty-three percent uh, fifty-three percent fly ball percentage in that park. You wonder if that you know that's going to come back to bite him, and if it does, is it going to bite him really hard because he tends to walk a fair amount of guys, right? Like, it, yeah. or it, if he does start developing a home run problem because he puts so much so many balls in the air. That home that walk rate is going to become a real issue for him. So, I I mean I like him. Um, isn't he related to Edwin Diaz? I um, have no idea. I want to say he's his cousin. Um, or uh, maybe, like, maybe they bring him out. Maybe they bring him out with piccolos instead of uh, trumpets. <laughs> um. So, uh, but yeah, I mean I like Diaz a lot. I've got him in a number of leagues already. Uh, you know, I've got him on my top worst team. I've got him uh, in a, in a couple dynasty leagues. Uh, I think if you're if you're desperate for saves, he's definitely a guy to go after right now. Uh, but there are some like red flags that I'm seeing that you go, this could all end really really poorly. Um, and it's the red, so you know there are going to be times where Buck Farmer comes in or even San Martin comes in instead of Alexis Diaz in the ninth. So. Um, yeah. It's it, it may be a little bit frustrating too. And how many games will the Reds win? Rest the way. Um, let's uh, let's finish out with uh, another guy who's in kind of a committee. It seems like Ian Kennedy is going to be the leader of this committee in Arizona, um, and they're on a team that's not going to win a lot of games. How interested are you in, in Ian Kennedy? Yeah, I mean he's had he's split it with Joe Mansipli, but the thing is with Ian Kennedy is like. Even that dinosaur has had fantasy value this year. Four wins, seven saves uh, as a guy that was just an afterthought. Uh, you know, he was absolutely being taken um, in late in DCs, and uh, maybe, uh, you know, some of the deeper formats if somebody wanted to spec, you know, coming off of the season where he had, you know, he's had 25 saves or more in each of the last two full seasons. Uh, and for not great teams, but you know, this year he's still providing some value with the decisions 
that he's been able to do. He's, I mean, he's had not, a total of 16 decisions when you count wins, losses, and saves this year um, out of 42 games. So he's been out there working in different leverage situations with that. Uh, yeah, I would say the same thing would apply to Diaz and Kennedy. Obviously, both skill sets full of risk. Uh, somebody that could give you five saves the rest of the way. Uh, this would be the safer bet to get me five saves the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think he's he's likely to hold it down the rest of the way. I was surprised they didn't move him because I'm pretty sure he's on a one-year deal too. Um, so I don't know why they felt like they needed to hold on to him. I understood holding on to Melanson because uh, – They've gotten him Melanson under his contract for another season, and maybe they thought they could flip him in the offseason um, or or at the deadline next year. But I, I don't know. Yeah, but, I mean, Kennedy's a proven guy. He's he's a vet. It seems like they, uh, they've, they you know, they're ready to move on from Melanson. Uh, you know, you know they might win a few more games, but I don't Arizona's not super competitive. He's, he's the bottom of the list for me in terms of the other closers we talked about. Um, that is going to wrap us up for this episode. Jason, uh, remind everybody you can reach on social media and plug all your work. Uh, yeah, uh, at Jason Collette uh, and the Collette Calls column uh, at Rotowire has been uh, typically running in the earlier part of the week, uh, every week. And so continuing to write uh, baseball content, even though everybody's got most of their attention on football right now. Uh, I, I have not had a fantasy football draft. Uh, I have not even looked at anything fantasy football stuff. So it's, I know I have a draft coming up soon. Uh, it could be, in fact, next weekend. Uh, all I know is I'm now a full-blown Bills fan because I have two keepers in that league, and they are uh, Josh Allen and Gabe Davis uh, because it's one of those where you like get the, you lose the pick before. And last year I took those guys in the fourth and eleven, uh, fourth and 12th round. So I'm losing my third and 11th pick, uh, but I'll gladly do that for arguably the best quarterback in fantasy football and my favorite wide receiver in all of football because he went to my university. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a full-blown Bills fan. Go Bills. Let's go Bills. Uh, with that. So yeah, I got to do that. But obviously, yeah, that's a, as much fantasy football as you're going to hear me talk uh, <laughs> the next few weeks, uh, because I'm still uh, pushing baseball. Because if you're listening to this, that means you're still contending in your league, yeah. or you're thinking for the future. And we certainly are as well. Because uh, you know, this is a, a year round, a year round podcast, because as soon as the as soon as September hits, we definitely have an eye towards the offseason and preparing for things we're going to talk about in Arizona, first pitch Arizona, and, uh, you know, starting draft guides. I'm sure that you're, you and Paul are already sitting down to outline the offseason work on everything that needs to be done uh, for the site. And I'm expecting my first set of uh, player profiles to start working on for Rotowire here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For those who don't know, uh, maybe this is your first uh, season with us. Uh, we, we record every week, multiple times a week. Uh, throughout the offseason. So uh, as other pods and uh, and analysts kind of do switch their attention to football, we'll be coming, uh, you know, multiple times a week, uh, baseball, rest of the season. We may reduce down from like three to two, but we still still talk. Uh, I'm in my my first draft of the year right now for 2023. Wow. I have not not bitten on that apple yet. Uh, well, it, it's my three sport league, so we have oh, to draft. Okay. We have, you know, in uh, so sixty one rounds, um, drafting football, baseball, and basketball. So um, it's uh, it's crazy already thinking about these. I will have ranks, uh, you know, probably done for you know right around Labor Day or some point in September for for the upcoming year. So uh, yeah, we're, we'll have a lot of stuff, and Paul and I are going to be. Uh, adding some things uh, for the Patreon and discussing some things for that uh, as well uh, in the off season. Uh, but I'm riding daily over at Fangraphs still. Uh, you can hear me on this podcast, Sleeper on the Bus podcast, and the TGFBI podcast uh, um, as well. Uh, and lots of fun things coming up uh, here in the off season for me as well, which we'll, we'll, I'll talk about a little bit later. So, But for Jason myself, thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season.